Hi folks, this is Charlie Coiro from the CG LeaderCast. I'm about to introduce Captain Aaron Waters, who is my second interview of this podcast. And he really did a nice job of giving his philosophy around leadership and his approach to leadership. And also as a training professional, he gave us some great insights about e-learning as well as LDACs, the Leadership Diversity and Advisory Councils. So I think you're really gonna enjoy this one from the commanding officer of the Leadership Development Center. Thanks. Welcome to the CG LeaderCast. This is Charlie Coiro, your current host, and I am sitting across the desk from Captain Aaron Waters, who is the commanding officer of the Leadership Development Center. Um, he is in my second interview as we're uh, moving things forward and getting this podcast going. So, Captain, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us about leadership. Oh, thanks for having me. So, we'll jump right into it, sir. What's your take on leadership? How do you view this topic that uh, we kind of that kind of runs the place around here in LDC? And that's a great question, Charlie, and, and it's one I've been contemplating since since coming to the LDC, and even before that, when I was assigned to LDC. Um, that's really when I started thinking about it. I mean, you think about it all the time, and it's and it's really um, it goes back to my days when I was in New Orleans, and it was how do you get a bunch of people who you don't know to do stuff that maybe they agree with or maybe they don't agree with, um, but you have to come together as a team. And a leader, as the, as a leader, you have to inspire them to get that mission accomplished. And yeah. and I, I do hearken back to my New Orleans time because I felt like we as a team, as a leadership team, did a very good job of getting that group who was in some, uh, maybe maybe our uh, our hangar conditions weren't the best, uh, you know, the, the weather down there could be nasty. So we had some challenges, and uh, we had to overcome those challenges, and I think, um, to get the mission done, and I think we did a pretty good job of it. And that was, and again, we inspired them to go out and, and do it for themselves too, mm -hmm. uh, and it's for them to internalize it. So I'm looking behind your shoulder, sir, and you got your plaque here mm -hmm. from New Orleans and your time there. I know that was a big uh, leadership opportunity for you. Um, can you tell us more? Because one of the things we look at um, in our leadership challenge program is what is your personal best leadership experience. So it sounds like that was a pretty positive leadership experience. For you. was it the challenge of being there, or was there a specific incident that stands out? I, I think the the uh, just the challenge of being there and the passion of what we do, what, you know, what we do in the Coast Guard drove me personally um, to perform at some of my best ever in the Coast Guard as a leader. Uh, I wanted to come to work every day. Uh, I hope I inspired others to come to work, and I, and I think I did, uh, to come to work every day and enjoy what you do every day and, and want to go to work and want to make the place better for the future. Mm -hmm. uh, and we had a lot to improve on, um, but it was also motivating that we all wanted to come in and do those things. Um, you know, uh, you know, one of the challenges we had there was our hangar and the crew before us set us up pretty good with, uh, with some resourcing, uh, actions. But, uh, one thing you have to do when you're renovating a hangar is you have to move everybody around and it's kind of musical chairs. And that was hard. Uh, that was a hard challenge to overcome because um, it was people's space. You were invading people's space, and we had to, as a command, get in there and and you know, and explain it's going to get better. And we're eventually this. When we come out the other side, your, your workplace is going to improve, and it's going to better the mission mm -hmm. set. So, um, and how we went about that was, you know, again, a lot of personal contact, getting in, getting out of the chair. 
and getting into the hangar, getting in with the troops uh, and talking to them. Make sure they understand that this just isn't some arbitrary move uh, because it's time to replace resources in, at our command. It was really to make the better the, the air station at New Orleans better and more capable to get the mission done. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and I noticed something, Captain, <clears throat> having seen some COs come through this place, um, this idea of walking around and going out in, in the place. I've noticed that amongst all the COs we've had, you are really kind of interacting with people, getting out. I know you're on the extroverted side. <laughs> and and uh, what's your take on that? Like how often do you want to, you know, get out and be with your troops and interact with them in their workplace and all that? Is well, that kind of your... If it wasn't for that computer, I'd be out there a lot more. But yeah. uh, um, really, I... I, I you know, I try to interact with at least one group that I don't normally interact with. Um, you know, obviously that rotates, but if I can get out daily, uh, that's my goal is to get out and talk to somebody, someone, uh, some group of people, whether it's at our command or uh, with our partners externally to the LDC. Uh, try to talk to somebody. Just to, it helps me understand what we're doing more, right. but it also, uh, you know, it it helps me understand what people need to get their job done. And, uh, and that's, that's part of my role as, as a leader is to advocate for them, to make sure they have everything they need uh, to make sure we can be mission complete at the end of the day. Yeah, so uh, this is something I'm learning. So you have kind of a deliberate approach to try to meet with a different group? I, I, I try to. It's a yeah. goal. It's yeah. a goal. I don't always meet it. Um, you know, get caught, things get caught up in the wash. Sure. Uh, with, uh, how, you know, last week was a very busy week here at uh, LDC with OCS graduation. So... Um, you know, things like that, you, you're kind of, pre- you, it's inspiring. I, I turned to the force comm commander that day and I said, Hey, we're being reblued ourselves here because it was very inspiring to see, you know, a hundred, a hundred ensigns and international officers, uh, graduate on that day and get ready to go out into the fleet. So I'll, I'll, I'll definitely take that trade where maybe I'm not getting to interact with certain people, but yet I get to see our students go off and graduate. So I'll, yeah. I'll take that trade off any day, but that's my goal is, is once a day trying to get off with, uh, get out and and uh, meet with a group or a person, if, even if it's just an individual that I haven't seen in a while. It's just to check, give, check on them. And, and, and a lot of that conversation won't revolve around work. It will literally just, hey, how you doing? How's the family doing? What do you got? You know, Thanksgiving's coming up on us. You know, Asking people about what, what their uh, Thanksgiving plans are, if they're traveling, making sure they're staying safe uh, over the holidays. Uh, just, again, general care about their well-being and, and, and uh, what they're doing in their life and, and, and how can we help them there as well. Yeah. So that's interesting because as I think of it, you're you're one of three COs of accession sources. Uh, you got the academy, mm-hmm. OCS, and uh, and Cape May. So uh, this idea of rebluing and orienting people as they uh, enter into the Coast Guard in this different role of officers. Is there anything in particular you found in your time here that's unique or interesting about this accession besides the rebluing part of it? Yeah, I was just going to say that I literally was sitting on the, when I was sitting on the stage at the my first OCS graduation, by the way. Um, I never realized that I was going to be reblued myself where I, I felt like I was inspired to continue mm-hmm. on with my own career, uh, you know, which is long in the tooth at this point. Um, and yes, it, even though you're long in the tooth in your career, you still need to be reblued every once in a while. Be reminded why you're here to do your, doing this job. And, it, and uh, it is inspiring. I don't think I answered your question though, Charlie, but uh, um, that's, that's, that was, that was surprising yeah, to no, me. No, I think it's an interesting way to look at it. I, it was surprising to me. I thought about that. Yeah. And you also, I know at least once you've uh, reissued the oath to our mid-grade officer mm-hmm. and civilian transition course yeah, students. Another and that's event. another re-bluing and where you're reading the oath off to these lieutenants and GS-12s. I think it's a great reminder of, you know, what an Armed Forces officer is all about and taking the oath and the importance of that. And, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
I get reblued all the time. So what I'm, what I'm figuring out in the first six months of being here is I had a, uh, a chief warrant officer professional development class that graduated and I sat in with them uh, a couple different events through their through their course and when they came out the other side you know I talked to I, and I I got to know them a little bit better uh, maybe than some of the other classes just because I was able to, to to participate with them a little bit more but the one thing that they almost universally told me coming out the other side was um, how much they thought this was a waste of time coming here and when they came out the other side, is how much they're, they're glad that they came and they did this, and it inspires them to go back and, and do their best for the Coast Guard and for their people, uh, especially. And that that again, that's one of those things. Where they're like, yep, we're doing the right thing here, and uh, you know, so there's just a, a little different take on you know, we got our big our big courses like OCS and such, but you know, chief warrant officers and and whether it's the chief warrant officers or you have. Uh, um, lambs, our, our lambs course, the same thing. Selk, our senior enlisted leadership leader, uh, senior enlisted leadership course. You know, some of these folks actually come out and say they're life changing moments for them, and they mm. and they realize the, you know, just a little bit more self awareness, and, and they're coming out of here, um, and they understand their responsibility for the for the service and their country, uh, all that much better. And uh, that's again, that's a it's a great thing to feel when you're when you're sitting in this chair. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier the inspirational aspect of it, and I think this re-bluing or reorienting people as in their leadership role. Mm-hmm. So whenever they go to a five-day course or, or a seventeen-week course, Absolutely. I think there's some real benefit to uh, reorienting them and, and reinvigorating them, and hitting them in what we call the affective domain instead Absolutely. of just the uh, knowledge and skills domain. So um, one of the other things that I wanted to talk to you about, Captain, is uh, since you've arrived here, and you said it's been six months now. It's almost to the yeah, day. So it's. Uh, it's been an impressive run. Hopefully, you can keep this momentum up. <laughs> Still here. <laughs> um, so, uh, you've really uh, recharged our Leadership and Diversity Advisory Council, our LDAC. Oh yes. And one of the things you told us uh, when you got here is you want us to be a role model LDAC. The LDC should have a role model LDAC for the rest of the Coast Guard. So I think my words uh, were model LDAC for the Coast Guard. The model LDAC. We, we sit yeah. at the epicenter of leadership. Yeah. And uh, our our Leadership and uh, Diversity Advisory Council should be. Exactly that. It should be at the at the pinnacle, leading the way, modeling the way um, mm-hmm. of how all LDAC should be participating. Um, and I think we've we've moved out on that uh, with the, the LDAC uh, leadership has been fantastic. You is is one of those folks. It's been fantastic. Uh, we had uh, Dr. Nikolai talking, uh, which is I, I, I wish I could have attended. Um, I think I was on travel, but um, she she held the first uh, cru- crucial conversations uh, session. Which is really, um, that's getting into the meat of what we should be talking about, mm-hmm. and and I'm I'm very proud of that that, that we're moving out in that direction, and and I hope to put I hope they get uh, they as we build that program out we get to put that out to the field, uh, and and see how that see how that's accepted as it hits yeah. the field. Yeah, and and she got into biases and things like Absolutely. that, and and uh, yeah, so I think it's important that we're pushing our LDAC to to reach higher. We're still struggling. We're a command like any other, so. Oh, yeah. Finding the time to uh, to to do more stuff with our LDAC is always a challenge, and we got a lot of support around here with the academy. Absolutely, I was just gonna, yeah. I was just going to add them in there. Is having is almost like a super LDAC when you combine the two and you start doing yeah. some crosstalk with the Coast Guard Academy. Uh, it does help to have them as a as a as a close neighbor and ally. So, is there anything else uh, like as you see yourself leaving, and hopefully four years from now, um, that you would say, yeah, now I know for sure we have a a model LDAC for the rest of the Coast Guard. Is there a particular characteristic or, 
or thing you would see? So I, I, um, one thing I'm, 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 I will admit real quick, I'm, I'm learning and I am on my journey when it comes to diversity, inclusion and, and equity. So um, the one thing I would look to see is us get after uh, LDAX turning inwards and going, okay, how are our process and poli policies? Uh, are, are they, um, are they clear of, uh, of bias? Uh, you know, so, so looking at it through an equity lens, looking back yeah. at ourselves with an equity lens to make sure that, that everyone has a chance to, everyone who is in the Coast Guard has a chance to uh, do their best and not, not have the systemic impediments that are, uh, regardless of how they got there, um, they should be removed. And that, that's what I hope our, we get our LDACs are to be getting after. Yeah. And, and if, I, if we can just at least get our LDAC to, uh, on that track... And then come up with some sort of hey, here's some best practice to put out to the field. I'd be very proud if uh, if we got to that point by the time uh, my, my time ends. Yeah, that's a great uh, call for us. And I think this uh, crucial conversations and having a real dialogue about um, you know what are controversial issues. And oftentimes we we talk about them on the surface. Correct. We can't go deep because a lot of people are kind of walking on eggshells yeah, with some exactly. of the diversity topics. But but being uh, inclusively centered when you're a leader. I think that's a good goal for us to, to strive for. So I'll uh, throw a curveball at you, sir, now. Uh, oh. You are in our Athletics Hall of Fame. Oh, geez. You told me about your time <laughs> in New Orleans where you actually uh, have a sport that you created to kind of build morale. So uh, sports and leadership and, you know, and how that helps with morale and other things. Do you have any... Any words of wisdom or any thoughts on So on I, that? I'm going to correct the record here in case there's any <laughs> rescue swimmers listening in from uh, New Orleans. Um, it was it was a combination of myself and the rescue swimmer shop in New Orleans who created the uh, the sport of smush ball. But anyway, smush ball. That's right. Yeah. I think you uh, yeah you had a part to play in naming or or promoting it. I, so I, it, uh, I actually draft. I actually drafted the rules smush for ball. smush ball. Yes. But uh, <laughs> uh, sports for me, athletics for me. Um, a lot of people find their grounds, uh, their own way of, of developing as a leader, and athletics was mine. That's where I was comfortable. It freed me up to lead people here. Um, Chase Hall wasn't my forte, um, but uh, athletics was. And, and uh, I got, I had my uh, leadership as, as a captain of, of two teams. Um, I was able to uh, um, really get after my leadership skills uh, in those modes. Uh, and, I, and, I, that, and, and, and I go back to high school too, but you know, really here, that's where it started for me. Um, and, and that, uh, set me off on a course that teamwork was always something that I valued, uh, when it came to leadership, it was, was build your team. And, and part of building your team is, is one building trust and, 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 uh, uh, looking out, looking out for your teammates. And, uh, so, so you'll see all these themes work together, um, when it comes to my leadership style and teamwork is really uh, at the heart of it. Is mm -hmm. I really believe we are. That's what we do as, as leaders. We build our teams, and uh, inspire them to go off and, and, and get what we need to get done. Yeah. So, and I know the athletic department here at the academy is getting even more invested in this whole leadership role of absolutely sport captains and and just the teams themselves using the disc model and and trying to get more invested in uh, leadership on the sports field because it really is a great test of where leadership and teamwork come together. So, uh, sir, how do you um, develop yourself as a leader? Is there any books, podcasts, movies, any any media or anything that you take in to kind of sharpen your saw as a leader or leader developer? Uh, I'm a reader, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm a recent reader. I, you know, I, I honest, I, just to be honest, when I was younger, I didn't read as much. I, uh, 
I started taking up reading when, when I got into my headquarters tour mm. and I had a 45 minute train ride and I had to fill that space and video games just didn't help. Uh, <laughs> so I got off that real quick and, and I started reading and, and uh, I have a love for history. And mm. so I like to read uh, about historical characters and their leadership styles. Um, so, uh, and, and I do read off of books, not, not necessarily e-readers. So it's just a little style right. point for me there is I do like to, uh, to have the books. I do mm-hmm. annotate. I, I do put okay. notes in them. Uh, and I think that's a, I don't read just to read to finish, read to understand and comprehend. Um, and that's where the note taking comes in because I am, a, I learn by writing stuff down. I, I learned that as well. So I was coming up through grad school and other things that, um, I tend to capture things in my brain better when I write them down. So that's why I need the book, uh, because, um, Kindle readers don't work for me. All right. Is there any favorite book on leadership and history that kind of stands out for you? Well, and this is going to sound way cliche, but it's, you know, Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, is, I've read it three times. Wow. Uh, yeah, I've read it three I times. I barely got through it one time. And it's, and it's a, a book. It's a heavy read. Yeah. Um, I've read it. Well, I should say this. I read it twice. I audio booked it uh, yeah. when I was Geo Bachelor. And I had that eight-hour drive between here and Virginia. I would uh, I would listen to it um, huh. uh, on, uh, on uh, Audible. And so that, that's one of my favorites. Um, I think it's just because of the close connection with the service. Um, hmm. I'll leave it there for now. Yeah. I, I'd be digging at this point, but uh, I've got a few others that, but I'm not sure which one rises to the top. All right. No, that one stands out for me. I know Admiral Allen was a big fan of that for that's years. A, and it's a great book. Chernow writes a yeah. great book. And the Grant one, I know is another yeah. one. That's I just, I, I finished that. That's about, another thick uh, one. About six months ago, but it was a, again another another. <laughs> not everybody read. can, yeah. Not yeah, everybody can get through. He's all those definitely details. at the top of my the authors that I that he I. He really follow. puts you in yeah. the place. So, um, and the the other kind of field you're coming from, not just aviation and uh, and, and training, but you're you're kind of at the forefront of uh, doing e learning and, mm. and things like that in the Coast Guard. I know you're pushing the LDC to bring more stuff into the venue of e learning. Is there any particular things that stand out for you in that venue? Um, the biggest thing for me is to making sure when we design instruction, it's designed appropriately. Mm-hmm. Uh, finding the efficiencies and the, the, the reach that, that the distributed learning gives us, uh, when it's appropriate, um, is when we, that's what we need to get after here. And that's really what I'm driving LDC towards, is uh, the, those appropriate methods uh, to capture all the benefits of advanced distributed learning. So... Uh, you know, there's knowledge pieces out there that we can you know, put on a self-paced or uh, even a, a self-seeking um, basis where we would, you know, house that when people come looking for, hey, what's your what's the next book you want to read? Or, hey, here's a module on uh, judgment. Um, you know, we, we have that housed in a, you know, in a learning management system somewhere where they can access it actually uh, somewhat easily through a search engine. Um, and that's coming. Well, you know, we, we got to get the technology in place. We have some, we have some technology in place, but some better technology is on the way. And uh, we, as the LDC, need to prepare ourselves, um, uh, professional development-wise, to be able to design and that and those using those methods, so we can capture the the efficiency that that technology is going to bring us when it does come. So we're preparing for that now. Uh, the staff is excited. I just uh, met with the. Uh, uh, department heads yesterday kicked off an offsite where we're talking about how we're going to get after mm-hmm. things like facilitated online uh, courses as well as self-paced e-learning courses. 
Uh, not everything. There's still some value to face-to-face in that effective zone where we're re-bluing people, where we're, again, changing their hearts and minds. Um, but there are some things that we can prerequisite before people show up in the schoolhouse right. and the resident training uh, that can be delivered online or be, can be facilitated over distance. Uh, one, to keep up a consistency of message, to make sure, or a consistency of development. So, you, you know, I think of... Uh, you know, how we learn is like on a glide path and we're climbing on that glide path and you want to keep climbing. You don't want to have these peaks and valleys. You want to keep a steady state rate mm-hmm. in, a, in a climb. Well, that, that goes true. That's the same for, I think, how we should be developing as leaders. We shouldn't be uh, show up at the resident training for two weeks. We're on a high with, with, with our, with our leadership skills. And six months later, we're back down. We're starting to descend again into a valley, and we don't see the schoolhouse again for another six years. So we got to fill in those gaps between, and I think, you know, leveraging advanced distributed learning and as well as um, uh, a leader support uh, portal uh, are ways that we can uh, continue people on their leadership glide path up into uh, into the higher reaches and higher level um, uh and complex thought of leadership. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what inspired this podcast too, is this idea of offering things to leaders in different formats mm-hmm. and different ways to kind of keep thinking about leadership when they're not in the classroom and, and give them some direction. So we've thanks always, for the avenue to do that. We, we've always been a, a, a push knowledge um, yeah. uh, organization. Uh, now I think we're getting into the, into the realm of pull. Let's, let's get knowledge out there so people can pull it when they want it. Right. Not just we give it to them when we think they need it. So uh, it's kind of a two-way street now. And that's, I think, where we need to get to is is a, is a place where, um, you know, people can come and get it when they want it. And when it's time for them to get really formally trained, we have that available for them, too. Yeah. And I, I, as a member of the LDC, I love the fact that we can start venturing into these other topics where, you know, before if it wasn't a part of a standard course, you really were kind of outside of your swim lane. But now because we're looking at developing things and and supporting, you know, not just in the course, but also outside when the when the students have left our course, have things to kind of reinforce what we're teaching. It's really, Absolutely. really powerful. So um, you mentioned one hot habit you have, which is the walking around and meeting up with mm-hmm. folks. Uh, one of the things I'd like to end this podcast with, or at least mention the podcast, or any actions or habits that you find helpful as you've grown as a leader, you know, from 01 to 06 now, um, that you just kind of try to remind yourself when you're at your best, you're, you're doing these kinds of actions besides the, like we talked about walking around and meeting people. I'm listening, listening. I am listening to others and hearing what they have to say. So many times I think people hear their own thoughts when Mm -hmm. other people are listening. And, and this is something I've had to work on, by the way, I'm not but I know when I'm at my best, I find the mouth is stopped and the ears are open and it, you're hearing what other people have to say because that's going to inform you on what you, what the next course of action is going to be. Sure. Uh, you're hearing what the, what the actual problems are instead of already going through your mind on what the solution should be. And uh, so I, I'd say when I'm, when I'm listening uh, to what other people have to say is when I'm at my best. Yeah. I love that because uh, – you know, we usually tell our introverted leaders, you know, make sure you're not just sending out emails and hanging in your office too much. But for the extroverted leaders, I think that's, you know, kind of a, a key blind spot to think about. Am I listening enough and, mm-hmm. you know, receiving more than I'm transmitting in, in some form or fashion? And and I have worked on that since uh, I was in 01, or since I was a cadet, as I, I tend to. Well, I found out that I am a D on the uh, 
the um, disc, yeah. on the disc model. So uh, I tend to want to be direct and get things done. And so sometimes the, the wheels get going before uh, other people are done talking. So I found that I, I found it as a challenge and a, and a weakness of my own to get after my, the, the listening skills better. And uh, I, I try to even do that at home more. Yeah, um, and <laughs> it works. This yeah. leadership stuff works both at home and at home and at work. So, right. um, try to try to use it in both. And uh, you know, listening is, uh, is is one of the things I I constantly am working on to try to get better at. And um, so, I'll call it it is my best day as a leader, as well as the thing I need to work on the most. All right, all right, sir. So uh, the last question I have is: uh, Are there any questions you expected me to ask that I didn't ask, or things you want to talk uh, about? That one, we one other thing I would say you have to be as a, as, a, as a leader is 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 uh, humility and being humble, yeah. uh, knowing that you're not always right, um, is something that I think people will, will who are following you uh, will see and they'll admire. And uh, so I just wanted to add that one last little mm-hmm. piece. Is I I feel I am a humble leader. I. And I can I can I can show some. I'm a pilot, you know. I can <laughs> I can show some of that flash every once in a while. But I feel when it comes down to it, when it gets tough, I can be a humble uh, leader. And, and 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 again, it goes back to and I can listen to what's being said. And, and those are my best days. Is when when those two things come together, uh, I, I think I'm at my best as a leader. All right. Well, thanks, Captain, and thanks for inspiring me to keep this podcast going you uh are my second interview <laughs> hopefully by the time we launch this one into the general public we'll have a few more uh audio re- recorded and uh, right. and put in the can but I you're going to be no- episode uh, number three because yeah, uh, admiral Penoyer was first and uh and we'll see where it goes from there but thanks for taking the time sir right, and we'll, thank uh, you, we'll see where it goes appreciate it